Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits, the show where geeks and God collide and stuff happens. My name is Luke Navarro. My name is Mike Perna, and I'm so happy that you're opening the show again. It's the little we, things, dude. Hey, we will always remember episodes 31 through 33 as the as Dark Mike's Ages show. Mike's <laughs> show. But I am back. Yes, you are. I am back, and I am am relatively technologically stable. Though I have I to love tell that you, was now, relatively. I have to tell you, I have a deep, deep fear brewing inside of me right now. Okay, what is this caused by? So today, I had to make the phone call to my internet, folks. If you don't remember, we have I have been off of the show for weeks, months, because we had a catastrophic collision of computer problems and internet problems. Spent hours upon hours. Really getting to know the good tech support people at AT and T. I mean, I bonded with these people. That's how much time I spent with them. <laughs> and uh, we are now just uh, since the last show uh, found out we are moving. We've been trying to move forever. We are so blessed and so excited to be moving into this new place. Today, though, I had to make the phone call to AT&T and say, hey, by the way, I need to transfer my service. So, folks, if you never hear from me again, you know what? Oh, please, just don't ever say that again, Luke. Don't do that. I, 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 am, I am daring to set up internet again. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit uh, sick in the stomach about it. <laughs> I've got butterflies. But, you know, I will say that even though you might not have internet, you do have something that's, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly jealous. I've been saying it for a while now, and I am continue to say it. I'm incredibly jealous that you get to bring back a blast from our past, and I don't. At least not yet. The Bell wonder bottom pants? No, the wonder that no. is XCOM, my friend. Ah, yes. Last episode, I had played it for like all of 10 minutes. Prior to the episode, I have now played it for slightly longer than that. Yeah, just slightly, uh, ever so slightly. I, I, I finished. Uh, I finished the, my first playthrough a couple of days ago. My wife was like, "You finished it already? Really? Uh, is that fun? Yes, it's fun, and that's why I finished it so quickly." Uh, so we will definitely be talking about XCOM today. Uh, but you know what else, man? Uh, we got to be timely here, and we have for we have once timely... we're actually going to report on something when it happens. If we're going to report as, on something before it happens, as, as, as opposed to waiting until afterwards and saying, "Whoops, we missed that one." Yes, we're recording this three days after the event, and you'll be hearing it uh, two and a half <laughs> weeks from then. Uh, so, of course, the uh, the thing we were talking about is Halloween. It is Halloween two days after this show. Uh, releases it's uh what about a week and a half a week or plus away yep uh as we record my kids are decked out and ready to go uh it's, tell me it, about halloween man i i mean i can only imagine what halloween is like in perna land well it's because i know what christmas is like in perna land it's interesting though because perna land is now different now perna land there you know we're now in an offshoot of perna land because we've expanded the territory. It's now my wife and I. Uh-huh. And my wife is very much not a fan of Halloween. Ooh. She is really so we, creeped out. we have out. drama. She has no problem. She has, 
nothing but problems with all things horror and zombies and skeletons. And we passed this one house uh, on our way to a youth leader meeting tonight, and they had a, a inflatable Halloween train that had a really goofy looking cartoony skeleton on it. And she got real creeped out. She's like, I don't like this holiday. And so like we, we had a Halloween dodgeball with the youth group on this past Sunday. Dude, did you use pumpkins? No, that would be terrifying. Yeah, that'd, that'd be kind of wrong. Huh? <laughs> that'd be something out of sleepy. Hollow. Oh, so everybody just figured out, got a little glimpse of what I was like as a youth pastor. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Oh. This one was not actually instigated by me, but I was there. Feel free. Uh, we were doing a obstacle. Obs- how do you say the word obstacle? Obstacle course. Right? Obstacle course. Sort of uh, a la Wipeout, previous to Wipeout actually being there. This was a long time ago. what, 15, 20 years ago. And uh, so we set it up. And you know how occasionally they have the balls on the chains that swing back and forth and knock the people off the... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't have a beam or anything, so they were just running across the gym. We also didn't have a large ball, so... No, you didn't. We used a um, punching bag. No, you didn't. A punching bag inside of a refrigerator box, and (laughs) I swear the kid flew a good 20 feet. (laughs) For those of you who might not ever work with a heavy bag... These things can be a couple hundred pounds. <laughs> They're big, yeah. And this was a big one, one of the big black ones, you know. It wasn't just like the little red one that you stick in your garage. This was real deal, man. And it was on probably 30 foot of rope swinging from the top of the gym. Uh, yes, yeah. Luke, this might not, be one of the reasons not, why you're no longer a youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, definitely not one of the uh, the high points of my career, but then also kind of one of the high points of my career, depending on how you look at it. Perspective so is a wonderful uh, thing. That was a bit of an aside. You spent today throwing pumpkins at kids. We did not throw pumpkins at kids. Uh, okay. Do not get me in trouble. No, uh, we, we, we do this thing every year uh, when uh, Brett Anderson, my co-host, while you were off in uh, tech support land, uh, he and I kind of... There's really bad music in tech support land. <laughs> I'm sure there is. But uh, anyway, Brett and I talked about the, the Halloween dodgeball. It's kind of a staple for our youth group. And uh, I went I went dressed as Arthur Dent this year, uh, complete with my own copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide. And nice. so basically... Do you have a towel? You know... I think the reason you we forgot lost, your towel. I think the reason we lost this year is because I forgot my towel. Ah, I, I we're sitting there in the car, and my wife is sitting next to me, and I go, "I've lost geek cred. I've lost all sorts of geek credibility right now." And she's like, "What? What's wrong? What? What? What happened?" And I go, "I'm Arthur Dent, and I don't have a towel." And she vaguely knows what this is about, and so she just has that look about her, like, "Yeah, I married a nerd. God love him." <laughs> she's but, like, she's thinking you're actually having some kind of serious experience. Oh yeah, she's that, thinking know. something terrible is going on. I'm just like, I don't have a towel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. But that's pretty much going to be the extent of my Halloween this year. It's going to be a little, a little, uh, 
how, how do I put this? A little low-key. Yeah? Well, it sounds to me like maybe that wasn't what you're used to. Oh, no. Well, they... it, it's gotten to the point where when, it, when I was still at my parents' place, my parents' place is kind of a little out of the way. Like, because anymore, I don't know if you've noticed this trend out by you guys, but it's definitely a trend here in, in my kind of neighborhood, even now in when, I'm, when I've moved. It, a lot of times, parents, you, you don't walk with your kids, you drive them to a place. And, yeah, and, I think we have some of that here. And then you walk to the door. So parents tend not to drive by my parents' neighborhood. And so my okay. mom will have the bowl of candy and she'll put out a couple decorations. But she used to go hardcore back in the day when kids would actually be walking around the neighborhood because she actually had one of those tapes that played horrible, awful. <laughs> yeah. She, she would have one of those playing and she'd have like three witches over an, a, a cauldron and she actually had a black, like, cast iron cauldron. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, she had a Grim Reaper sitting on the porch, and there was this weird monster-looking thing on the roof, and yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. But after a while, she just realized that no kids were coming anymore, and so it, it kind of lost the appeal. That's sort of sad, in a way, and, and I think maybe also a little bit indicative of our society. Uh, you know... I, one of the things that I love so much about Halloween is it's one of the only times out of the year that everybody's out on the street. Yeah. That you see all of your neighbors. Uh, you know, I definitely live in the suburbs. I live in one of those places where you drive into your garage and that's it. And you live in your done. own little yeah. sealed world. And, you know, it's nice to be out there and actually see people and realize, oh, wow, look, this person that I know from some other part of life lives three doors down <laughs> or whatever the case might be. Or two streets over. And especially with my wife who is a, a labor and delivery nurse, it's, you know, it seems like every fourth house, she's delivered She's baby. delivered that baby. <laughs> and so it is nice to get out there and get get connected. Uh, yeah, my daughter is, uh, she's been hinting this year, she wants one of those creepy tapes. Those <laughs> creepy musics. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go see if, uh, you know, obviously I don't even have an optical disc player anymore. There might be one in the car. <laughs> right. Um, but so I'll see if I can get it on iTunes or something like that. Oh, I'm but, sure uh, they'll make it available. If not, I, you, you'll be able to find it somewhere. I'll find I'll find something and uh, just let that run, uh, stream it to the stereo and just let it run for Christmas or for, for, for Christmas. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, run it on Christmas morning, you know, uh, that'll give a different vibe for the family. Uh, okay, so let's go back. What was the best Halloween costume you've ever had? Ooh, the best costume I ever had. Um, ooh, I might have to think about that. I've had, I've had some good ones, but it's also been a while since I've been able to do like the hardcore dress up because, you know, well, I'm talking about when you were a kid. Oh, uh, when I was a kid, I can't even remember that many when I was a kid. I, I, it's all kind of a vague jumble because I dressed up for fun. So, <laughs> Well, I had my best Halloween costume in June. Yeah, well, I, I have I have a story about when I was in high school and we went trick or treating in July. <laughs> we got a box of cookies. That takes Moxie, my friend. Moxie. We got a box of cookies. We also had yeah, nice. we, we also had one guy pull a shotgun on us, so not yeah, recommended. Well, you know, things happen. I would have given you a can of peaches. 
That I there you go. My house. We would have taken it with a smile. But yeah, I've to... I've had I've had a lot of interesting times in costume, but. I don't know. Uh, Halloween has never been a big... I, I will say that there was one year where I dressed up like Drew Carey from the Drew Carey show. Okay. Like the big, thick, plastic glasses uh, right. and the the high pants and the plaid button-down shirt. and I was nice. Drew Carey. That was a lot of fun. Nice. What about you, Luke? What it, You know, because I, I, you can even... It, I'll even branch out if you want to report on you know what your kids are, are dressing up as and stuff like that all right well you know this year one of my daughters is an egyptian princess nice she's a nerd and uh the other is um the chick from brave oh uh, i never saw the movie but i know who you're talking about it's a cool movie and uh so she, you know she they like the arrows and stuff uh, we've talked about this on the show before. Ah, uh, yes. The whole Renaissance you... Fair vibe and all of that. Uh, so she is, um, she is going as her, and I can't believe that I can't uh, think of the name at the moment, but I can't. Uh, in terms of best costumes, I kind of come down to two. I have the best costume, and then I have the costume that's most near and dear to my heart. The okay. best costume was actually made for me by my aunt. Uh, she was living with us at the time, and she was... She's, um, I don't know, like a tech of some kind at a hospital. That She's a medical tech person. And so she has access to all kinds of weird gizmos and stuff. And this is the 80s, of course. And so she decked me out in a full-on Ghostbusters costume. I'm talking full-on. Nice. Backpack. I am talking the plasma thrower thing. Nice. Um, I mean, it was elaborate, and it was really cool. I'm sure it wasn't really all that elaborate, but as a kid, it seemed like it was. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, that was really, really cool. But the 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 one that's most near and dear to my heart, and I think I'll probably use this costume even a couple of years in a row, uh, was just me, you know, dressed in jeans and a shirt and whatever. Uh, but my mom had taken a costume that I, I was like a werewolf a few years earlier. Um, and she kind of made a stuffed werewolf creature out of it. And she attached it to my back. So it looked like you were getting attacked we were by buddies. a werewolf. Oh, no, okay. no, it looked like we were buddies. He had his arm around my shoulder and it looked like we were partying together. Uh, just me and this werewolf. And so we went around town looking that way. And uh, yeah, for some reason that was the most fun. I think also because I was a little bit older at the time. And we were going out and doing Halloween by ourselves at, the, at that point. Right. Um, and the whole vibe of being out there at night on the night where things can happen. You know, everybody. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound creepy at all. On a night yeah, well, when like, anything could happen. But that's how it felt, right? It felt like there was this air of danger about it. And we were, we were going out and we were, we were experimenting and maybe once or twice got chased um and you know had to hide from police uh but you know that was that kind of early teen years mm -hmm. uh halloween was the, one of the first times where my parents were like okay you and your buddies can go out and at night by yourself and so that was a, a whole lot of kind of freedom and excitement uh about halloween um but i i mean i get where you're coming from though I, I, my wife She's not really anti-Halloween. She just never did it because her parents were anti-Halloween. And slowly but surely, we've kind of begun to develop a little bit of Halloween tradition in our family. And uh, 
so yeah, I mean, it's it's a holiday I really enjoy. It's it's one of my favorites, and it also kind of kicks off my favorite time of year. I love fall. I'm a fall kind of a guy. Oh yeah, I'm with you on that. But yeah, it. What do you what do you say, Luke, to those people who are anti Halloween? Like, not just it's not my thing, or not just you know I don't really like this, but the people who are actually like actively saying that that Halloween is a time that you know no good Christian should ever love Halloween because it's all demons and. See, I, I have a really hard time with that, and as, as a, both a youth pastor and as a church planter, I, I did come across that. Now, first, let me just say, I don't like horror movies, right? I, I couldn't finish Alan Wake because it scared me too much. <laughs> I, I'm a wuss, so I like I get it, right? I'm never going to watch Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or anything like that. That's not going to happen. And, you know, even just like watching commercials for um, like the the new American Horror sh- story uh, asylum thing oh. that creeps me out dude i don't want to have anything to do with that and so for people who are who feel that way i am totally right with you i'm waiting for that to come out on netflix because my wife would never watch that but i i want to watch that yeah see i i mean i totally get where your wife is coming from on that one uh, i i do not need any uh negative influence in my weird twisted dream world because <laughs> uh, it's weird enough as it is right i i have a little bit tougher a time with the whole kind of demon thing, right? And I get it. Uh, and so for me, this this kind of calls out two different, very Pauline questions. Um, you know, the first is this is, you know, being at the Acropolis in a way. Okay, I'm I'm so waiting I'm waiting for that analogy to to settle in. I mean, I definitely kind of see it where, like, okay, people are, they are crossing the veil, whether they're doing it in a fun, you know, silly kind of a way. I don't think there's too many people who really take the the dark side of Halloween seriously, and I'm talking about non-believers, just people who are going out doing their thing. I certainly don't think most kids feel that way. Right. But at the same time, we are, it's a time of year where we talk about death. We talk about possible spiritual influences we talk about the occult we talk about those things and yes we might be doing it in a way that's fun and light but it, it we do kind of cross that veil and it is an, uh, that opportunity to to be able to interact with people in a way we don't normally interact with we don't normally talk about these things we really don't um and so th- so there's kind of that uh, but then I kind of go to the other way and say, all right, well, look, if if somebody feels like this is uh, a threat to their faith, well, then it is. And that's OK. I'm certainly not going to say, hey, you're you're too immature or you're too whatever. Um, you know, I don't feel like it's a threat to my faith. I think it's perfectly fine for me. Um, but I'm certainly not going to throw it in the face of someone else where that gets really, really hard is when you're a church leader. Right. Uh, and you get a very you get a very sticky situation, uh, you know. As when we were early on in the church, here uh, in the town where we started a church, um, we lost a family because we did a trunk or treat. Really, it was even just a trunk or treat. Right, we did a trunk or treat, and we did it uh, at homes. We set up five homes across the town. We we set up outdoor parties essentially, where three or four families would come. To, to this one house and all kind of set up and all have the big candy bars that were wrapped with our message and all that. At my house, we had giant pumpkins. We were, we were um, 
playing as a, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown nice. on, on my garage door on it with a projector. Um, and you know, one of the families decided, hey, that was that was enough that uh, they they left. And, you know, they were they were really angry at me because they I wouldn't allow them to pass out at a church event um, some pamphlets. Um, oh, I'm sure I'm sure I kind of understand what pamphlets these might be. Right. And they were really odd. They were odd and they were creepy and they were kind of psycho, to be honest. And, um, you know, and I wouldn't allow them to do that. And they. They kind of came by and they sat me down and they gave me all of these, these uh, stories of times when, when satanic cults did things on Halloween and all of that, and you know, yeah, do those things happen? Maybe I'm sure they do, but I'm sure they happen on Christmas too. Well, you know, people cra- crazy people who want to do crazy things are going to do it. There's nothing we can do to stop them. That was that was always my I, I I'm I'm with you in the fact that if I, if somebody comes up to me and says this is really a stumbling block for me. I can't get behind this. This really takes me away from Jesus. At no point. I mean, I don't I think we've already spent many an, an episode in various times on this podcast saying you and I both take it very seriously that if something gets in the way of your faith, if something gets in between you and your relationship with God, don't do it. Even if it's something that we say this is awesome, don't do it if it gets in sure. between you and God. At, at the same time, I'm, I'm always a guy who's going to ask the, the questions that people don't like to have brought up. <laughs> Such an instigator. So, Such an instigator. So when, Thanks for good podcasting. Exactly. So when somebody tells me, like, like, oh, you know, there's so much of this stuff going on at Halloween, and there's so many people who do all this pagan ritual on Halloween, I said, do you have a Christmas tree? And I know that's the trite thing to point out, but it's true. I go, do you have a Christmas tree? And they're like... Yes, I said, you shouldn't do that, because back in the day, that was due to pagan ritual. When do you celebrate Easter? When everybody else does. That's based off of pagan ritual. I said, we took that. (laughs) So, if you're going to not do something that has no religious significance anymore, like you said, I don't know of a single kid, and I don't know of many adults, who put any kind of religious significance on this date. And certainly not to any kind of demon worship. I mean, there's going to be those guys, but I've never met them. And I've been doing Halloween since I was born. Right. I think that, that for me, okay, and maybe you you want to disagree with me, or maybe folks who are listening want to disagree with me, and that's that's totally fine. But I don't think that there is ever anything inherent about just about everything. <laughs> uh, you take the example of a Christmas tree, right? Uh at first, it was uh, a pagan symbol. Great. I don't think it was ever a religious, a Christian religious symbol, though there are people who try to make the tree, the uh, the the still living cross, that kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, um, and the fact that it never loses its lead. Uh, people always right. come up with weird right. stuff after the fact. Right, but here, here's my point. is It's just a tree. Right. We are the ones who instill whatever that tree means on the tree. Right. The tree doesn't mean anything by itself until we bring it into our house and say, this is for us a remembrance of Christ, or this is for us uh, a family experience about giving gifts to each other. Whatever that person 
puts onto that as meaning is the only meaning that it has. And, you know, uh, a skull might have meaning for somebody celebrating Day of the Dead, and it might have a different meaning for a kid wearing one of those really cheesy skeleton costumes uh, to go out and get some candy. And I, in, I don't think there's any inherent evil in any of these things unless we attribute that evil to it. Right. Um, and, and so I don't think that if you, you eat a Reese's peanut butter cup that came from trick or treating, you're opening the door to further spiritual degradation, unless you have a sense of conviction that says I shouldn't be eating this Reese's peanut butter cup. Then if you eat that Reese's peanut butter cup, you are opening the door to some spiritual peril. And, and I wouldn't do that, but I don't think there's anything inherent in it. Yeah, for me, this day has always been just an excuse to dress up and eat candy. That's, candy, 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 that, candy, candy. That's, candy, all candy. It, that's all it has ever been. And for me, that's all it ever would be. Um, it will be interesting, you know, someday if Susan and I have kids... It'll be interesting to have that conversation as to whether or not our kids are going to dress up and go trick-or-treating because dad would be totally okay with that and mom would be like, what are you doing to our children? Um, we'll we'll tell, deal with that one on episode yeah. 347. <laughs> Much further down the line, we'll deal with that one and that'll be an interesting conversation, I'm sure, that will probably have me sleeping on the couch. <laughs> But uh, just buy a good couch. That's all. It, I it's important. It's important couch. to have a comfy couch. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I you know I really I I get into this stuff. I you know I have no religious. There's no religious significance because, and again, something that we brought up. I have a, a real clear line between what is fiction and what is truth. And with that real clear line, I look at things like like zombie movies and go. There's no such thing as zombies. I don't have to worry about what doesn't exist. And, oh, I would worry. And there, I'd worry. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, my line's not as, as clear as yours. <laughs> well, and, and see, like, even... And this was a conversation that I had uh, with Susan a while ago, and, and this is still one that we're still kind of discussing and still trying to... Not necessarily, because I don't think this is ever going to be something where she's going to become super jazzed or I'm going to be, whoa, let's not do this. I think it's going to be so, uh, like a, a bit of that healthy tension, not bad tension, but healthy tension. But um, I sat there and I, I started, because one thing, you know, I, I do a lot of gaming. And I do a lot of gaming here at the apartment. And You're uh, talking role-playing games. Role-playing games. And... Uh, Either in uh, most of my gaming right now is between uh, two systems. Your your basic you know D and D stuff, and right. and uh, this game called Victoriana. In both games, you can be fighting demons. In Victoriana, because it was in that late eighteen hundreds Victorian England kind of setting, very theo theosophist society. Yeah, very, a lot of a lot of you know, let's talk to the and dead and. And, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on. And Susan made me promise when we were when we were first did this game, Susan made me promise in our house, you will never bring up 
any kind of demon or spirit or anything like that. And I could see that it was making her visibly uncomfortable even just to bring it up. So I did. I promised her. I said, I'm never going to do that in our house. I said, you can, you can rest assured that within, because she's real big on, I need my safe place, my sanctuary. And, and I totally want to honor that. And so there are times when she's like, within these walls, you do not do that. And so I, I, I promised her that. At the same point, if I, I said, I said, do you mind if I go and do it elsewhere? And she said, I don't understand why you would do something like that. I go, because the demons in this book aren't real. And the real ones, I serve God. The demons answer to God. As a, as a child of God, under the authority of God, I look at them and say, you have no power here. And while I don't go picking fights, as it were, because I do, I am one of those guys who holds to spiritual warfare is a very real thing. I'm not worried about them. Because, you know, I've discovered a long time ago that my faith in Christ is bigger than the power of any demon out there. Not because of who I am, but because of who God is. And so when I look at this horror stuff, I go, it doesn't really phase me because most of it's not real. And the stuff that is real, I have no no business fearing because my God is bigger. Yeah, God may be bigger than the boogeyman, but the boogeyman still does scare me. Just a little, so I, <laughs> I avoid those, uh, those ones. All right, man. We've talked about demons. Yep. We've talked about zombies. Yep. I think can, now... Can we go back to talking about aliens? Talk about aliens, man. And the fact that you've let... Let's a, talk about aliens. The fact that you're leading a ragtag squadron against a host of aliens? Ragtag nothing, baby. I got six colonels out there. <laughs> They're hardcore. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm I'm sitting here patiently awaiting a, a, a Steam sale or, or somebody to have right. a used copy or something. Right. So I'm going to need to live vicariously through you, Luke. I need to know... How epic is the new XCOM? It's the old XCOM. Oh, that makes me feel happy and sad because I can't own it yet. And it is perfect. Uh, it is, and this is the best way I can describe it, and I think you're going to get what I mean, but it is playing the way I remember how it played mm. in my good memory in the memory where I had filled in so many of the blanks that I'm sure that there were at the time. It, and it, now in your memory that completely forgets the first person shooter adaptation of this. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but more than that, right. I mean, we have this way when we look back on like, for example, I have a couple of games, right? XCOM, um, X-Wing versus TIE fighter. Oh, wow. That's a classic. Uh, you know, right now the, uh, the guy, um, who did wing commander, is oh, in the process, Wing Commander is in the process of of crowdsourcing or crowdfunding a new incarnation of that game. It's not actually tied to the Wing Commander IP, but it's going to be that style game. But it's going to be on a massive scale. Oh, the, it's going to be sort of the Guild Wars version of that game. Oh, the Kill Rathy were my doom. <laughs> we love, um, and you know. So often, though, when we we get that reboot, we get that return. It it does. It, it, you you're happy because you get to see the Kilrathi, or you're happy because you get to 
you know, be back on Monkey Island or wherever you might be. Dude, I would I would get all giddy if I hopped into a spaceship and Hobbs was my my wingman. And 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 for those of you who are younger in our audience and have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sure on YouTube there's some kind because of, it was one of those old school games that had live action cutscenes. Yeah, you need to experience these. Mark Hamill with a giant tiger, yeah. a, a giant lion man named Hobbs. That's all I'm gonna say. I think uh, John Reese Davies was also in. There. Yes, he was. Yes, he uh, was. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was great, right? But okay, so so you have different ways that you can access that, right? Uh, how do you feel about emulators? I I have no problem with emulators. I mean, most. No, that's not what I mean. I, I'm not talking about the philosophical bit behind emulators. I'm saying, how do you feel about playing games in emulation? I you know, there's part of me that misses the old. You controller. got a main cabinet in your house. <laughs> I I I I. You know, part of me misses yeah, the old Yeah, exactly, exactly. Unless it's Pac-Man, you go back and you play these old games, and you know what, man? As cool as it is, they're just old games. They're old games. They're old games, and so there, you know, there's yeah, like that's a... fun for a minute, but it's not. I mean, you're not going to be sitting there dropping quarters, wanting to play these old school, you know, arcade games again. There is definitely like a, a butter zone, like a magical realm where, like. I'd cite, like, the first Fallout game. Like, there was this magical world in that era where I'm like, yes, this is an old game that I would play again. Pretty much anything before that. I'm like, oh, old game. Awesome. Like, I I downloaded the King's Quest games, and I'm like... Oh, no. I remember these being a lot cooler. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'll tell you what, those old sort of Telltale and... uh, uh, I forget who makes made King Quest, but... Um, those style games, uh, yeah, they really they really age poorly. Yeah, they do. Uh, and you wouldn't think that they would. You would think that they would be fine because they weren't, you know, action adventure games. But so you, I I don't enjoy it. I I mean I've every two years I feel the need to load an emulator and try and then just decide that that was a bad plan. For, for every one game I enjoy, there's like a thousand that I don't. So right. And so, you know, then we go, okay, well, what about the reboot? And so often the reboot, yeah, it gives us those characters. It maybe, but it's it never feels the way I felt when I played that game. So you're saying XCOM delivers on that? XCOM delivers on that. And I'll tell you why that's even more amazing. Because XCOM's so old. Oh, yeah, XCOM. To me... XCOM is one of those foundational PC gaming experiences. I, I even remember, we can actually cite precedent. You know, I, I've been going back to old old episodes this whole time, but there, I can't remember which one it was, but at one point we're like, yeah, this will happen like right before they make a new XCOM game. Like, it became like legend and folklore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, I, it's so deep in my memory. Uh, I mean, I mean, I definitely can remember the screens, and I can remember what it was like to play the game. But really, it's one of those things that's so far in your memory, it's just kind of a feeling now. There's not too much detail left. You just have this feeling about it. And this game hits it, and it hits it hard, and it hits it perfectly. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know what XCOM is all about, aliens have invaded. You are in command of a multinational... Uh, elite 
unit of troops who start off with machine guns and you interact with the first aliens and the way you progress obviously your your characters level and they get more abilities as they level but but one of the key components to the game is, is this sort of meta game that happens right where you have the the tactical it's a turn-based tactical combat game it's sort of all uh um dungeons and dragons really uh you know it's on a grid system on a map yeah and those old school tactics versions yeah right uh, and you have that but when you have finished a battle depending on how say you didn't it, you used a lot of snipers and you used a lot of laser rifles versus using a lot of high explosives you get to bring back loot in the form of broken weapons broken bodies things like that you bring them back to a base that you are developing and you run scientific experiments it's the terminator 2 effect where they find the chip in arnold's arm right. and develop skynet off of that and so in addition to this tactical game you also have a much larger strategic game where you have to decide how to use your resources in terms of your money in terms of your time in terms of your satellite coverage of the world, in terms of your laboratory scientist crew and your engineering bay crew to research alien components, to build better weapons, armor, and uh, and satellites and interceptors, planes. Um, and you have to react to this global combat that's happening where you begin just with one satellite over one country and the rest of the countries of the world very quickly start to get annoyed with you because you're not keeping an eye on them. So you have to figure out how to make enough money to, to launch more satellites or is it worth it to launch a satellite over this country? What are they going to give me back if I, if I uh, put a satellite over their country, that kind of thing. So you have both of these two games. Sometimes you have very to. Tight. Sometimes you have to let Europe burn. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do, uh, and so you have this strategy game and this tactics game in very tight uh, communication with each other, and it is such a gamey experience. And I know that a lot of times now that's a negative thing, but it's not in my mind. It's so much about the strategic decisions that you make. And one of the things that's really cool is, you know, you are leveling these characters and you can hire as many troops as you want. You can only send so many out on a mission, depending on your level and some of the unlocks that you have and that kind of thing. But, you know, I joked at the beginning of this uh, discussion that I I had six colonels going into this last mission. Uh, You do not want one of these colonels to die. (laughs) If they die you know, you're not going to win. They're that critical. And, you know, you get to the point where, okay, your rookie dies. Oh, well, well, what if he's like level two or maybe he's like a, like a lieutenant now or like a major. And you're like, ah, he's wounded. Uh, What am I going to do? Am I going to fall back with him and just, just go in with one soldier short? Or am I going to just push forward and risk losing this character? And then they get to very high levels and they have very elite skills. And you need those very elite skills. 
uh, especially as you get into the psionics portion of the game. And now they're wounded. And you have to make some very hard tactical choices about whether you're going to go forward or whether you're going to keep keep uh, this particular unit safe. What is better for the tactics of this one mission and what is better for the long-term strategy of the game. Uh, so great. I, I love it so, so much. Uh, but here's the thing I want to talk about on the show today. Okay? So I get into the game. I started on normal difficulty. I didn't even think about it, to be honest. I just button, 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 let's go. Right? Right. I play through the game. I beat it. All right, and this is a this is a game you play through and beat, right? It's not not ongoing. I mean, it's got a a set range to it, uh, a little bit more like a civilization, okay? Right? Where you're going to play civilization multiple times, right? Oh yeah, not not quite as extreme as civilization, but but a little bit that way. Uh, so I decide, okay, I, well, I beat it on normal. Uh, the next thing I'm going to do is increase to hard, right? That's usually how this goes, right? Only there isn't a hard difficulty. The difficulty above normal is called classic. <laughs> and what I think is that's that? Just, that's genius. That is so, so beautiful a commentary on what this game is all about and why old school gamers like me love this game. It's They're just coming out and saying, hey, look, guess what? You want hard it's going to be the way it used to be. The way it used to be was an actual alien invasion that brought like 60 guys against your six. And, you know, I mean, it's, let's just be real honest here. Games are easier than they used to be. Oh yeah. That's a given. You know, we have an, a game. We, we play through to have an experience of the game now. Well, ever since they started putting more and more story into games, it became more about seeing the content of the story as opposed to gaining the honor and glory of actually finishing it. I cite Rygar as my crowning achievement in that regard. You finished Rygar? I finished Rygar. One oh, life. Oh, man. Bow down. Bow down. One life. Three hit points. I beat it. That That's insane. And you know what, though? Back in the day... To beat a game? Oh, you started wearing... That was hardcore. I swear, you could, you know, you started having, like, medals pinned on you for beating games. Other than Mario. Everybody beat Mario. But other than that... Yeah, but could you beat Mario in one life? No, I couldn't. I was never that good. Yeah, see, see I, 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 did, I did two and a half playthroughs in one life. Yeah, that was, was a... the best I ever did with Mario. But but see that back then the game was about the challenge. And we have very few games that are like that now. In fact, I you know, I think about Madden. I think about Call of Duty, mm-hmm. where there is that sort of competitive but in terms of single player games, right. we don't have much of that. Yeah, there's the Dead Souls thing now. Or Dark Souls. Dead Yes. Dark Souls, That's Dark another Souls. game I want to play. Where the sole purpose is to continually play over and over again because you're going to keep dying. Learn from your past mistakes. Right. And so it, this does bring up a couple of issues. Okay? So I want to kind of get your opinion. First, first we're going to talk about the gamer issue. Then we'll talk about the spiritual issue. Okay? That's kind of what we do here. Right. So let's talk about the gamer issue first. How often, when you are playing through XCOM, should you save? I would imagine often. 
Well, you can, I, I mean, you can save all the time. But this is a philosophical gaming question. Oh, if a I kernel know. goes, if a kernel goes down, do you reload a save game, or does he go down and he went down? We were just talking the other week about uh, Blood Bowl and how you build your team and your guy gets leveled, and all of a sudden you're fighting a bunch of ogres and your guy dies. Right. Do you? So reload? what do you think? Um, you know what I. I'm granted I'm going off of long ago experience with XCOM, but I have a funny feeling that I would, it depends really. Like if it was a cheap death, like if somebody just, I don't know. I, I don't know what's available in the new game, but like to give you the, my most recent gaming experience would be like D and D and stuff. If, if my, my character who I put my blood, sweat and tears into making, if he steps on a trap randomly and dies, I'm going to be upset. If he goes into glorious battle and just gets beat, I'm going to be rolling a new character and talking about how awesome my old guy was. So I do think it would kind of be circumstantial as to whether or not I would reload that. I think that's fair. I, I kind of have a similar structure. Uh, mine's a little bit, maybe a little bit more hardcore. Uh, here's my philosophy on reloads. If something in the game goes wrong, uh, I'll give you some examples from XCOM. If because of the way the game is made, you think you see the world in one way, but it's actually in another because the game is having a hard time communicating how the world is. You know, you think there's a wall here, but it turns out there's not. There isn't, right. But, but there's a picture of something that looks like a wall there. Right. That that then I'll reload. Uh, I you know those are not errors; they are things that I could never have known. Right. And so that in that case, I will reload. Um, you know, if I miss button press, I will reload, which normally I wouldn't do, because normally games are about pressing the right buttons. But this is not the kind of game XCOM is. XCOM is about making the right decisions. So if I press a button that makes a decision that I didn't intend to make, I'll reload. Right. Uh, but like you said, if you go into battle and things happen, things happen. Um, you have to deal so with yeah, the consequences of your actions. Right. And and so, you know, I definitely think, for me, that's how I enjoy playing. I know a lot of people who would not play that way. Oh, yeah. Who want the perfect game. Who want who want player. who want the people they had at the beginning to be with them at the end, right? And I did have some of the people who were with me at the beginning. Yeti made it all the way through. Yeti, awesome. Yeah, he my big my big heavy uh, heavy artillery guy. Nice. Yeah, the the game as you play it. Okay, so first thing it does is as you play, uh, they go from rookie to squatty, and when they get to squatty level, they get a class. And that class is determined by how you play them when they're rookies. So if you run right up into the alien's face, you're going to be in an assault class with that guy. If you stand back and shoot, you might be a sniper. If you cover somebody or you flank, you might be a support. If you throw a lot of grenades, you're probably going to be a heavy. Um, and then as the game plays on, the next thing that happens is 
these characters are granted nicknames. And it's surprising to me how accurate the nicknames are have were based on how I was playing these characters. Nice. Like, all right, so you I, got, you I, got to, I know we're running out of time, but you gotta be real quick. You gotta give us some nicknames. A Yeti is amazing. Yeah, so I had Yeti. I had uh, Demon Dog. I had Fast Lane. Um, Shadow was my sniper. Uh, so yeah, there's just a bunch of things like this. That 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 group there was the kind of the core that I took through most of the game, and then I had one or two that would join in depending on the nature of the mission. But, uh, you know, very, very cool. Uh, you know, the fact that you can get kind of emotionally connected to what are basically chess pieces. Right. Uh, is very, very cool. Um, but you're right. We are running out of time. So let's get to the spirit, the spiritual question here. And we talked about how this game and classic mode, right? Mm hmm where classic mode was harder a lot harder and i think that, that is a commentary on how games now really are about having the experience i would argue that church and our christian faith maybe is a little bit similar all right explain okay so i look back on the the people who were doing the leading when i was young and these were people who, for whom the spiritual life was a rigorous thing. This was about sacrifice and work. And it was, like I said, rigorous. It was something that was not hard in the sense that, wow, I don't know how to do this. But something to but not be entered in, into lightly. Right. Something serious. Something in, that, that you worked at. Now, I think that we as a church, especially, are more interested in, in making a faith that is easily accessible. And I understand why. You know, we want as many people as possible to know Christ. Right. And, you know, when faith is fun, when faith is exciting, when faith is accessible, it does make sense that it would, it would be more enticing to people and therefore more people would come to know Christ. But that's just the front door. <laughs> you know, as we get deeper into our faith, I feel like maybe we are lacking some of that classic mode. Some of that more rigorous discipleship. Um, you know, the kind of thing where people, you know, would be willing to spend, you know, hours, days working on their faith. And... You know, I think that maybe we're missing that. I think maybe we're missing classic mode a little bit. Not, not entirely, but a little bit in the church. Well, I can I mean I can definitely see that. I mean, I when I was in seminary, I had one professor who goes, "Why are we always looking for the the lowest level of faith required? The lowest level of of uh following Christ that's required by somebody to actually like qualify?" He's like we should be looking for we should be looking for what God calls us to, not what you know the minimum requirement is. I I mean I do kind of see that as something that's kind of pervading the church today, is that we just look for whatever the minimum minimum responsibility is. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we could even take it so far as to. A lot of churches don't even have volunteers anymore. Uh, a lot of smaller ones. You're right. Yeah. You, you know, a, a lot of churches are just staff. I know churches with 200 people and eight staff members. Yeah. And it's built so that the people who are the church don't have to be the church. And, and I think that's a problem. And I, I think that in my own life, I kind of miss it. I kind of miss that, that responsibility, that role that everybody had to build the church. You know, we talk about how we are all one body and that no part of the body is insignificant. Well, there are a couple parts of the body that are insignificant. We call it fat. <laughs> I know, I've got a little too much. And, you know, I, I, I do kind of wonder if we maybe as a church need to trim up a little bit. We need to work out a little bit and build a little bit more muscle instead of some of that fat. Well, I, I, and... And I'll agree with you because there's I, – I, I won't bring up names and anything because I'm not here to bash anybody. But there was a, a church that I went on an interview with for a youth pastor job. And uh, they – I asked them, I go, what sort of like service products do you get your kids into? Because I'm real big on, you know, kid, it, kids don't become the church. Kids are the church. So that, you know, if we require, you know, service out of our adults, you know, we should be doing that with our kids. And this one guy looked at me and he goes, yeah, we do service. Yeah. Oh yeah. Service projects like crazy. We often go downtown and go to the YMCA and throw a pizza party. I'm like, at what point did we consider throwing a party one time for other kids in the neighborhood who could have easily just thrown the party themselves? When is that considered service? I said, no, I'm like, do you like, because he was telling me how they did like a homeless ministry. I'm like, you ever take your kids to that? Oh, uh, no. Right. I'm like, why not? <laughs> why, how do you think your adults are going to do it when you never taught your kids that this is a valuable, awesome thing to do? So, Mike, I, I played through XCOM mm -hmm. on normal mode. I come to the final battle with six colonels hardcore extraordinarily powerful characters the best of the best the best of the best i set i finish the game i restart in classic mode and i am still playing in my mind on normal mode and you know what happened you got destroyed i got i got whooped i got whooped there has to be a different mindset for classic mode you have to realize that there's more at stake. You have to realize that there's more threat. That things are a little bit more real in classic mode. Mm. And you have to just admit to the fact that it's a lot harder. Yeah. I I, I want to go to church and just have some really ripping worship band and have this super profound message and go home and be done with it. I do! It's more fun. But when we want to take on classic mode, we need to, to realize that it's going to hurt. 
it's going to be hard and it might even be dangerous. But I think, I think, Mike, when I finish the game on classic mode, I think it's going to be a better experience than finishing it on normal mode. Right. No. All right, man. Yeah, that. I think we leave it at that. I'd poof. <laughs> normal is overrated, kids. Be awesome. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So, all right, Mike. So, how can folks find out a little bit more about you? Well, my internet presence is shrinking, but it is still very much there. And oddly enough, uh, it's mostly around this podcast. Yeah. Um, per, I I have a blog that's kind of the overflow blog, and I'm I'm currently. I, right now, my schedule is ridiculous. The month of October is insane with uh, go, attending weddings all over the East Coast. And, uh, In October? It, Interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I had one a couple weeks ago. We're going to another one this weekend. Um, I had a Victoriana game on Saturday. And, you know, let's just, I'm very much looking forward to October being over. But, uh, Somewhere in this busy schedule, somewhere in this insanity, when I'm not working on the four or five projects I got going on right now, um, I'm going to put up a blog post on Perception Check. That's perception-check.com. About I've been watching at, at work. I've been basically hopping on to my phone and putting in the TED Talks. Yeah, I saw you post about that. Yeah, and I didn't. I've always known that TED Talks are awesome. But I've just been I, I on a whim. I typed in the word gaming, just because I know there were one or two that were related to, right. to games and how they affect people. That alone, the 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 stuff that you'll find when you watch TED talks on gaming, will blow your mind. Cool. Um, and so I want to write about that and a couple other ones that I've either either discovered for the first time. Or have kind of rediscovered as I'm watching all these old TED Talks that they've posted. And just, I just want to throw good content at people. So be looking for that on Perception Check. Um, I also, if you email us uh, at gamestoreprofits at gmail.com, I'm the guy who gets that email. And uh, I also hop on the Facebook page, but I'm going to let Luke talk to you about that. Luke, how do people get in touch with you? You can follow me on Twitter, assuming that my internet transfer does go through and I don't drop off the face of the planet. You won't do it. You and, won't do it. And you can find more about the show at GameStoreProfits.com or even better, Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Mike is a machine. He posts all kinds of stuff there. Anytime I find anything I post cool. once every while. But um, I will say that we are slowly, slowly but steadily creeping our way. I put up the challenge for you guys to see if we can get, uh, was it, get cross the 100 fan mark on our Facebook page by the end of the year. We are up to 66 right now. So two-thirds of the way there. Yeah. So definitely keep talking about us. You know, we hope you guys like what we're doing. If we start seeing that a lot of people are showing up on the Facebook page, we'll start looking into doing more awesome stuff on the website with forums and other cool stuff. But, you know, for us to do that, we're going to need you guys to to let us know that, that this idea of building this community is something that you guys want to get behind. So we hope to see you guys on the on the fan page. Absolutely. And so, folks, we remind you, as we always do, 
that whether you're playing in normal mode or classic mode, that God is the Game Master. And no matter how those dice fall, the game plays on.